So today's message is entitled Dangers of a Religious Life. And this is something more and more, um, it becomes a problem within the church. And it becomes more and more a problem in the world. Because there's a lot of confusion today on what is the gospel? What is Christianity? Is everything conservative Christianity? Is everything that's supposed to look a certain way Christianity? And this is something that we have to be very cautious about and very uh, careful about when it comes to living a life for Christ. Because so many people end up living a religious life where religious life isn't, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm, I, I identify as Christian. I'm not talking about like that in, ter- in terms of that, but religious life in the sense of people forming their own list of to-dos and not-to-dos, where they use this list, not necessarily from the Bible, but they create this list mentally so that it can be used as a way to compare. I'm better than you. I've, I've been at this church all my life. <laughs> How about you? I don't see you every Sunday. <laughs> you, see, you see where I'm going at, right? This is religious life. And we have to see this beyond just Christianity, but this is a problem throughout all religions. And we'll kind of dive into that as we go through the message today. But in our intro today, I want to ask this question. What is the gospel? Right? What is the gospel? Do you have an answer to give? Is following the gospel based on the law? Is it task-based, like you have to do a lot of good works? Is that what the gospel is? Is it relationship-based? What is the gospel? Relationship with who? (laughs) Right? And what law? And how do we do that? How does that look in reality? How, How does that all work? What is the gospel. Another question is, do you see the power of the gospel then working in your life? Right? What type of power? Jesus, he shows us life movement where people who are once spiritually dead, unable to change, unable to leave sin, being able to have the strength to leave sin and to be transformed and made into a new creation. This is the power of God. And we see this change happen through our actions and our attitude. One sobering question to ask is, have I changed from last year in my walk with Christ? Or is it the same old, same old? And it is a sobering question because this is something that continues to grow as we mature in our walk with Christ. It's not, oh, just go to church more. It's not, you know, just I know more songs now to sing, and it's not just I, I do more for the church now. When I went into the college field sharing the gospel, one of the things that I found out really fast was that people that did identify with as Christians had no idea what the gospel is. Some people would say, oh, the music, right? Gospel music? <laughs> so they're like, oh, not quite. <laughs> yeah, you, there, there's some aspects of the gospel in some of those songs, but 
Let me share with you. Some people think that the gospel is just carrying around the Bible. There's one weird person that doesn't read the Bible but carries the Bible. That's what they were boasting about. I go to sleep with my Bible. I take my Bible out when I eat lunch. When I walk around the school, it's in my backpack all the time. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> you will meet some very, very weird people on campus. Um, it's interesting. I, I uh, encourage it. <laughs> Talk with some people. <laughs> um, but this is the thing. It's like people don't know what this gospel actually is. And yet they still identify as Christians but they have no idea what Christianity actually is about. So when you ask, you get weird answers, <laughs> just like that. In today's passage, we see a very interesting interaction where people that were supposed to know what the gospel or the covenant is about had no idea what the covenant was about in the Pharisees. And this is the trap of religious living that we can see happening in the church today and in the world today. Number one here today is the trap of religious life. Verses one through three, we see the Pharisees preparing a trap for Jesus using a disabled man. That's messed up, <laughs> you know? They weren't trying to take care of this man. They weren't trying to lead this man to Jesus for him to get healed. They're using this man to trap Jesus. Because they knew, according to traditions, that you're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. And if you worked on the Sabbath, that was breaking the law. And how can a Messiah or teacher of the law, or a person that calls himself a teacher, break the law? So the Pharisees were trying to see what Jesus would do. It's performance-based, right? <laughs> they're, they're treating people based on their performance. And this is what religious li living is all about. And we talked about this with the parable of the prodigal son, with the older son doing a performance examination for the younger son. He failed. <laughs> he performed very poorly. He should be immediately fired. And that was the report that he gave to his father. Why, what are you doing? Why is he here? It was very performance-based. And so many people can do this today. And sometimes we can do this to ourselves, placing ourselves on this religious living where we don't meet the mark all the time. And because we never meet the mark, we always feel like me and God are so far away. I can never reach God because I'm never good enough. If Christianity was performance-based, uh, we would have problems because nothing that we can do can pay for the weight of sin. It's like a debt that can't be paid, right? If all of a sudden you see a trillion-dollar debt in your bank account, it's too much. How can you even fathom of paying something that big, <laughs> right? You're not, a, you're not a huge superpower nation that has that type of bankroll. You're just you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm just a pastor, so <laughs> definitely. I don't know how I'm going to pay that one off, but that's the problem. We try to make it all about performance to the point where we miss out on the fact of where we actually spiritually are 
because we want to look like we are performing well, we pretend. The, the famous phrase, fake it till you make it. <laughs> oh, some people are nodding on that one. <laughs> They're like, amen, pastor. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> when it comes to your spiritual walk, at least, don't do that. <laughs> you know, that's because when we pretend who we truly are never actually interacts with the gospel at all. It's our pretend self that interacts with the gospel. And then guess what? We just leave that pretend self at church. And when we live Monday, that Monday person <laughs> doesn't even hold on to the gospel at all. So how can we see the reality of this gospel? How can we see that this gospel is true then if we never truly interact with it? But it's all based on performance and fake living. This was a trap not for the sake of life, but death, right? This is what the, the, the core of what was being done by the Pharisees were. They weren't trying to do something to uh, help their people or even help this disabled man. They wanted to kill. They wanted to destroy Jesus. But in light of that, Jesus, he responds by inviting this disabled man. He says, come here. He doesn't say, Sorry, dude, go away. I'll see you, I'll see you on Monday, you know, or I'll see you the next day. That's not the Sabbath. But what we see is something more dastardly than, than what was presented in the first three verses. And it's revealed in verses four through six. The heart of a religious life. Jesus starts off by asking a very important question. He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill, right? And their response, silence, right? But they were silent. We have to understand that this was very far from the Heavenly Father's heart. Verse 5, it says this, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. They were so bent out of, you know, just bent on killing Jesus that they failed to see the person that was in need. They failed to see the answer for that need right in front of them. They saw, they, they missed out on this answer of life movement. And guess what happened? Right after, Jesus says, you know, put your hand out. And his, this man with the withered hand, was, his hand was no longer withered. It was made complete, completely whole again. This man's life has totally changed. In this culture, at this time in history, if you are disabled, you're done for. <laughs> There is no money making. No one hires a disabled person. You're just done. You, the best you could do is just beg for money. That was your career. But Jesus changed all that for this man. But the Pharisees didn't see that. We saw their true intention where they went to work using politics to destroy Jesus, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against, against him, how to destroy him. 
So the Herodians were the people that were connected to Rome. That was the political connection that the Pharisees had with Rome, the Herodians. And they went right to work to figure out, we got to kill this Jesus. He's taking our thunder, you know. But what we have to see is not this religious-centered living that the Pharisees were living, but we have to be able to see this gospel-centered life where it starts with us being able to see our spiritual state. Where are we in light of our sin, in light of what is going on in our circumstance? Are we lost? Are we in need of help? Then we need to be honest with ourselves by recognizing that's where we are. Don't pretend. But when people live this religious-centered life, they live a life that continues to judge, continues to you know, beat oneself up to the point where there is no progress, there is no growth, there is no maturation. It's just stale, stagnant, just flatline. But what's crazy is this religious mindset is a universal thing. Where it's not just, oh, only Christians do that. I had, <laughs> I had this interesting interaction with uh, this one brother. He came, to, uh, he came to faith in Christ through our Johns Hopkins um, University uh, campus ministry. And he was sharing a story with me in one of our meetings where he was like, yeah, my aunt, she... she used to be a Christian. But when she was a Christian, she was so mean. And she was so like, you know, she, she was so strict on everything. And then she became a Buddhist. And she was still mean. <laughs> she was still strict about everything. But <laughs> just changing the name from Jesus to Buddha. <laughs> I was like, that is, that is crazy. That's hilarious too, but it's crazy because... What she was holding on to is not the gospel at that point. It was just religious living. And that's how scary that is. Religious life and the gospel are not the same thing. But yet people recognize it to be the same thing. And that's where things get really dastardly, right, with how Satan is moving in the church where the church, many people are holding on to things that they think is real, but is, in fact, fake. And when you keep holding on to things that are fake, you don't see the power of God at work. You don't see the Spirit of God move and stir in you to bring about healing, to change your thinking, to, to be able to see ahead of time for the future that God is leading you towards. You just end up constantly in despair or a path that leads to despair because things might not be going your way. Things might not feel like they should be where they are. And it's easy to live a very bitter life when our mindset stays stuck in religious living. And, you know, there's a scale to this. There's very, like, obviously religious living and very subtle ways that we end up doing religious living. And this is something we need to come to recognize and come to see within ourselves and be honest with ourselves because that's when we start to see healing. That's when we start to see 
like transformation in our own lives and in our thinking take place. Jesus here in this situation had a different agenda. His agenda was not, I got to prove these Pharisees wrong or I got to, you know, uh, make sure I, you know, live a very religious life so that I can appease these Pharisees. No, his agenda was in line with God's kingdom. The kingdom of God was his agenda. The kingdom of God is not about chariots and horses and kingdom, like actual like castles and crowns, but his kingdom was one of restoration, of redeeming the lost, healing the field that was broken so that they can come to know their creator, come to know their healer, come to know their eternal friend. This is the gospel where Jesus Christ came to bridge humanity back to God, where he came as the Christ to address this fundamental problem. We were once separated from God, but he breached the way. We were once stuck in sin, but he paid the cost. We were once under the authority of Satan, but Jesus through the cross has broken not only Satan's authority over our lives, but he has broken death, where death does not have the final sting. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is why the good news is good news. And this is what we have to pursue. It's not make sure it's performance-based, like you didn't pass the test today, <laughs> but rather come to know what this gospel is. Yes, our actions are important. Serving is important. Devotion is important. But we have to know why. Because that will make us go even longer with how we serve when we know whom we are serving. If we're just serving mindlessly, 100% you'll get burnt out. 100% you'll be like, oh, I'm spiritually like not doing well. 100%. <laughs> That will happen. But when you know whom you serve, when you know your source of grace, when you know where your supply line comes from to be able to carry out the devotion, to be able to carry out even the day-to-day -day stuff, your school stuff, your work stuff, what have you, your family things and interactions and how you can love, when you know where your supply line comes from, you can stand and remain standing through the ups and downs that life throws at you. Our conclusion is this year today. It's about growth, right? Like the question in the beginning and, oh, whoa. wow, the, what, what happened there? <laughs> uh, get, get, back, get back to where I was, Elisha. Thank you. <laughs> but it's about growth where if we are really the same from last year then we really need to kind of ask ourselves what, what's going on <laughs> and really be honest with ourselves because this is what this is about it's a covenant journey it's not um, all of a sudden you're just perfect and you're just perfect the rest of your life. No, we're, we're, we're broken people, but we're learning. We're broken people, but we're healing bit by bit, piece by piece, 
section by section <laughs> in our lives. And this is where we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is really worth living for? And what are we actually living for? What life are you living? You know, is it a life stuck in religious life or is it a life within God's grace? And it starts with us having the correct priority. It starts with relationship with God. Us being able to gather here on Sunday is our, you know, our, is definitely the right step so that we can receive God's word. But it's continuing that relationship, that word that we receive today into our week. And that's why we have, you know, the, the sermons and everything online available, not so that you can hear my voice, but for you to be able to hold onto the word as a resource. And as we do so, we become a spiritual summit where we can be an answer to people that are in need in our field. I'm not saying you got to go to everybody, tap them on the shoulder, do you want to believe in Jesus? But then there will be moments and interactions where God will give you the wisdom to know what answers to give to people. People that are lost within their, their own spiritual state. Your initial answer might not reveal Christ right away. But in that wisdom, you start to build not only that bridge, right, but that platform for them to encounter the blessing of this gospel. We have to recognize that this gospel is our source of life, placing purpose behind the work that we do, whether at school, whether at you know, our, our workplace. And God utilizes the very little skill or the large skill, whatever the skill set that you have, and he uses it to make impact in your field. I always bring up Joseph. Joseph, he was a slave during when his brother sold him out. And he was one slave out of how many tens of thousands of slaves. It doesn't make sense. He should not be recognized. But what he had that other slaves did not have was this covenant of God. And God, he blessed Joseph, and he blessed his work, where it was through that work he became a platform to Potiphar and ultimately to the Pharaoh. They didn't have answers, but God gave Joseph the answer to give to them. And that answer is what saved not only Egypt, but his family and the Israel people, the Israelite people. And as we are able to utilize our skills in this way, we're able to change culture, where God is calling us to be that cultural summit, changing the society that is around us. And that seems very far-fetched or seems very far away from us, but you'll be surprised at how God can use your life for this very purpose. It might not be, you know, all of Maryland, but it could be starting with your friend group. It might not be, you know, the whole city of Ashton, <laughs> in which we are, or whatever city that your house or residence is in, but, you know, it might be your neighbor. But whomever it is, God, he knows where you are. We just need to be honest with with ourselves where we are. And God, step by step, will guide you and lead you 
to be that source of blessing to others. You're not going to do that on your own. If you do that on your own, you're going to be disappointed because you're like, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that uh, courage to do so or I don't have the ment- don't even get don't even go there. Just be like, God, I can't, but I need you to help me. Go there. <laughs> Ask for help. If you are honest with where you are, not pretending, but asking then for help and asking according to the word that we receive through our Sundays, you'll start to see God answer his word and change you, transform your thinking, transform, and even place people in your life to be able to see his plan. The people that I've got to meet these past, like, past decade is not what I expected in a good way. People that are from all kinds, all parts of the world, all parts of this country, people that I know from, you know, Washington State to Chicago to Texas to Iowa to, <laughs> um, to Indiana to Boston. There's so many people that I'm connected to now that I never thought I would. Not because I was looking for them, but as I was looking for God and I was looking for his plans, he attached people to me and me to them um, to be able to see this bigger plan of God. So as we continue our studies, as we continue our work, don't just study and work for the sake of studying and working, but see the bigger plans behind your studies where God, he is going to use that study. He's going to use that career that you're pursuing to be that platform of blessing because there's nobody there that has that heart, that has this covenant, that has this gospel. So as we do so, let's truly break away from this mindset of religious living, but really pursue a life that is gospel-centered and live this gospel-centered life 